Father, we just come to you. We just thank you. We just praise you. We just worship you, Lord. We thank you for the gift of life. 14 days into April. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Every day is a gift from you. To prepare, to run this race, to offer ourselves to you, to be used for your glory, to look expectantly to heaven, awaiting your return, yet to occupy till you come. Every day is a gift, Lord. We just want to thank you, thank you, Lord. By faith, I plead the blood of Jesus over us here, over this place here, over everyone who is listening. I pray they will experience open heavens. Heaven won't be brass about them, but will be open. The Spirit of God will speak to each one wherever they are and meet them at their point of need. For you alone know what our need is. Speak, Father, speak, speak, Father, speak, speak. Let healing flow. Let deliverance flow. Let your word do its work. Let there be no unbelief. Let people receive your word in faith. Let captives be set free. Bodies be healed. And let there be peace in minds, O Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, 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 amen. We are locked out from the world, but I hope and pray everyone is locked in with Christ. Otherwise it's a waste. It's boring. The interesting part for us the enjoyable part is we are locked in with Christ. And for all those who are listening regularly, consider this as your online Bible course. And uh, you will get a certificate from Christ if you pass successfully. But the objective is there. In Second Timothy chapter 2, 20 and 21, we looked at it earlier. This is the objective personally for each one of us. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Verse 21 says, Therefore if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, that's the whole purpose. The word of God goes, the spirit of God shows, you confess, you apply the word, you apply the blood, the spirit of God will make each one a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So when this is over, we praying a church worldwide will arise, a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master. And not only that, even now, he will use you in your prayer closets. So we also remember we are looking at young men. Not that if you are old, you are not a young man. This is spiritual terms used in the Bible. The one who overcomes. Not a child, but a young man. So we always have to distinguish between being saved 
and overcoming. All the epistles, practically the whole Bible, it was written to the church, those who are saved. The New Covenant especially is written to the church, those who are saved, and basically as a training manual how to overcome. And the final letter, the book of Revelation, is specifically written about the end times, about the battles we will face, and the victory that is promised. So like we said yesterday, don't forget the big picture. Don't forget the big picture. As we go through this, the big picture is God. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 9, you see the smaller picture, what we see now, 1, 9, and Revelation 2, 17 to 19, you will see the big picture. The foreground picture is this. I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ to us on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. The oldest surviving apostle locked in. Okay? He's been locked in by Caesar. That's the foreground. We all are locked in. But we have been locked in because of a virus. And... The big picture is this. God is showing him the big picture. Chapter 2, verse 17 to 19. He who has a hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Oh, uh, not chapter 2, uh, chapter 1, 17 to 19. Not 2, 1. Chapter 1, 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. This is the big picture. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. He says, nobody has to worry about this virus or death. The keys are with him. Write the things which you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. He says, I am in control of your yesterday, today, and forever. Okay, he is. He is. That's a big picture. Therefore, like the government has been giving us guidelines, different guidelines as the virus progresses, God also has given us spiritual guidelines. The spiritual guidelines in any eventuality, any situation, how does a child of God look at life? Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18, familiar words, we saw it many times, but we have to, some verses have to penetrate deep. While we do not look at things which are seen, we do not look at things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. Reason, basically it doesn't mean you don't look at things which are seen, meaning don't uh, focus so much on it. Your, your focus should not be on things that are seen, this world. Because the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So he says your priority should be on things that are eternal, not on things that are temporal. And most of the things that we are hearing day in and day out on the news are almost everything is temporal. And the temporal actually uh, creates anxiety and worry and tension and all the things the flesh gets affected by is connected with the temporary. So if you look at what he is saying and we really focus on those things it actually changes the dynamics of life for a believer. That's why every day, twice a day, for four hours, we study the lives of different kinds of people in the Bible. 
those who kept their eyes on the seen and failed, and those who kept on the unseen and succeeded. In spite of incredible struggles, personal struggles, or hostility and battles they had to face. So, the message is to those who are in the battle. Okay, those who are in this battle called, spiritual battle called life. Those who are on the road from childhood to becoming a young man or a woman in Christ. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. So we are put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The enemy is identified, his tactics are identified, our protection is identified, and our power or our strength is identified. Everything, okay? Be very, very careful in this. The enemy is identified, he's the devil. His tactics are identified, he's very crooked, he's very cunning, he's deceitful. Our power is identified. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of His might. Our protection is identified. Put on the full armor of God. It is God and the devil. And you be sure that you are on this side and covered under that side. And also in verse 12, Scripture will say, identify your enemy very clearly. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. First, we do not. People you see, the temporal people you see, are not your enemies. And it is not that we battle, it's not that we fight, it's a wrestling. And wrestling is the most intense. If you go into a competition, different competitions are there, sports competitions are there. Boxing is also there. But the most intense is wrestling, where every inch of you and the opponent comes into struggle. Even boxing, he's far away. In wrestling, it's not. There is no sport, if you want to put it as sport. It's nothing like that. It demands everything from you against your opponent. It is wrestling. So we are called. We are not wrestling with flesh and blood, but we are wrestling with principalities, rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So the Bible is saying, don't fight people, please. Okay? Please don't fight people, but we fight for people. Learn to know whom to fight. Okay. So remember, we are everything we teach, some things may be new, but almost everything has been there at one Bible study or one Wednesday meeting or on a Sunday. It's been there, but we are trying to like compress it all and put it across during these days God has so wonderfully given us. So understand the nature of the enemy. Understand the nature of the battle. Understand the nature of his weapons. Understand the nature of our battle and our weapons. Okay, you have to. So it's a spiritual battle. It's absolutely clear. We are not fighting flesh and blood. But we are fighting. Spiritual battle. It's an absolutely spiritual battle. Therefore, the nature of our weapons. Second Corinthians 10, 3 to 4. 10, 3 to 4. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 4. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of a warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down stronghold. Okay? 
So actually fighting is not an option. To fight or not to fight is not an option. If we don't fight, we will wander and die. Okay, that's the children of Israel. We'll wander and die. Okay, so to fight or not to fight is not actually, actually an option. And also, the, the, the Bible, different translations will use different terms. For though we walk in the world, okay, we do not war according to the necessary flesh. NIV will use the term world. KJV and KJ will use the term flesh, okay? But we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. So we learn actually from Old Testament patterns how to fight this battle, okay? If you go to Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, yeah, you see that world over there. Other place you will see it is flesh. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Law is finished. Moses is dead. That is all the law can do. Law can bring you to this far and hand you over to Jesus. The purpose of Moses is over. Moses represents the law. Joshua represents Jesus Christ. The law has only one purpose. That is to bring us to Jesus Christ. Now that Jesus has come, your battle begins. Law does not give you victory. Only grace gives you victory. So law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So young men have to get into battle mode. How to overcome the evil one. <clears throat> okay. And the word of God is living. So we saw in Second Corinthians uh, 10.3, it uses two terms. It uses the term flesh and it uses the term uh, world. And it uses the fact that though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Let us look at that so that you understand. Because some of you may be reading NIV. Some of you may be reading under the translation. What happened is <coughs> when sin entered man, humanity, that's in Genesis chapter 3 through Adam and Eve, flesh was empowered. Flesh is the spiritual part of the natural man. It's in your body. It's a spiritual part. Okay, flesh also has a mind, so it's called the carnal mind, the fleshly mind. Okay, it came alive, and that became the abode of the enemy, the part that he uses. The devil tempts or attacks through the flesh, the carnal mind. So, technically, when you use the term "though we walk in the flesh" or "though we," walk in the world and we do not war according to the world. How do you divide? If you take all the people who are in the flesh and put them together, they become the world. If you take all the people who are led by the Spirit and put together, they become the bride of Christ. 
Okay, that's the church. This is the world. Then when you take all the people who are in the flesh and also saved, that becomes a mixed multitude. Okay, that was Israel. Three categories. Egypt, Israel, mixed, mixed multitude. So the Bible says, put to death the works of the flesh. Okay? Same meaning, different context. 1 John 5, 4. He who is born of God, whatever is born of God, overcomes the world. So both, if you put to death the works of the flesh, you overcome the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So if you put to death the works of the flesh, you overcome the world. Okay? But remember, there is a fundamental tension when we live in the world. Because we live in this body. But we do not wage war according to the flesh. So there is a fundamental tension we go through. Okay? If once we are, that's why the groaning in this body, once we are out of the body, the tension is gone. Our spirit that has been born again, is, is, it's in, it is in its natural realm. Right now we are born again and in the unnatural realm. This is not what we were born again for. If any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. The new creation is there. We are stuck in the old creation. So there is a natural tension every believer should go through. Should not be comfortable in the world. That means you are not born again. Okay? Should not be. There should be a constant tension. So though we live in the world, we do not wage war according to the world. While people who are of the world, who live in the world, fight according to the world. And we are not called to do that either. We can't do that. Okay? So when Jesus says, if somebody slaps you on your one cheek, show you. Meaning somebody shouts at you, you cannot shout back. Shouting back is the way. You cannot do evil for evil. That is the way of the world. We cannot do that. The minute we do that, we have lost. Even if you win, you lose. Even if you win, you have lost. Though the world will look at says, ha, he won. God will say you lost. Okay, so we are always caught in that tension. So even our, even our, even our, our uh, defeat will be seen by Him as victory, but our defeat will seen by God as victory. That is why we have to constantly live our lives before God, before God. Okay, Joseph could have defended himself and proved to his master, no, look, it is not true. But then he would have lost. He would have lost. He would have, but the way he reacted, he was winning. He was not, but everybody thought he had lost, but he did not lose. So remember, our battles are not the same. That is why, though we live in the world, we do not war as the world does. That is why the Bible uses different terms to describe the children of God, the believers. It uses terms like aliens, strangers, pilgrims, peculiar people, sojourners, tent dwellers, people of the way, and even ambassadors. Which also means we represent another country, another nation. Okay? Therefore, please remember, unlike the average man on the street who lives in what I would call a mono-dimensional world, we live in a multi-dimensional world. That is what Paul is talking in 2 Corinthians 4.18. Right? We don't live in a monodimensional world. Monodimensional world is very easy to live. 
you know but when you're living in a multi-dimensional world knowing that there is this unseen to above me and i always have to be conscious about me about that on the third is my father the second is my enemy and everything i do either make second happy or third happy and i have to live to make the third happy without faith it is impossible to please god if i walk in sight second is excited if i walk in faith third is excited and if i walk in sight the world is excited if i walk in faith the world may misunderstand me so we are always caught in this caught in this so please remember it is not an easy thing so we have to manage both we have to manage covid-19 by listening to the government guidelines but we have to cling to divine guidelines listen to what the government says don't go out we don't go out we don't have to wash our hands because we don't even go out but still we wash our hands wear your mask if you go out we don't go out so we don't wear a mask so but we stick to government guidelines it's good guidelines it is medical guidelines stick to it but cling to divine guidelines revelation 21 and verse 11 they oh no oh sorry 1211 how did i go to 21 1211 they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony they did not love their lives to the death you want to win this battle even with any virus anything in life this is the only way stay under the blood understand the blood of jesus is the most powerful weapon given to us because that defeated satan overcame him by the blood stay under the blood stay under the blood always stay under the blood okay and by the word of their testimony walk in faith walk in faith okay walk in faith and don't be afraid of death don't be afraid of don't love love your life so much don't like love your temporal life so much love your eternal life so much okay stay under the blood live by faith and don't love this temporal things temporal world temporal life too much mark 16 18 they will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly it will by no means hurt them when you walk by faith believe also you have divine immunity you have to believe you have divine immunity to these things and i will not die before my time i will not die before my time believe in really believe in divine immunity okay it is written over there what is covid 19 it is poison it basically kills you and i says no i will not i will not i will not die so learn to fight spiritual battles because this battle is spiritual because nobody can see the virus but does anybody doubt the virus is there no none of us have seen the virus nobody has seen the demonic realm but lot of people doubt it really exists nobody has seen the third heaven nobody should doubt that also is in there okay so we learn to fight this battle so what are my weapons what are my weapons now please remember from here what i teach you is what we call basic training i won't give you advanced training 
Advanced training is into deliverance and don't get into that unless God calls you into that because it's the most misunderstood, most dangerous battle you can get into it because unless you count the cost, you don't get into that battle. You have to be willing to pay the price for that, getting into that battle. So don't get into that. Personal deliverance, do it. But don't get into deliverance ministry unless God calls you into it. But I'm talking about basic training every child of God needs. You need to know your bad weapons. You need to know how you fight. Okay? Simple guidelines. So when Joshua entered into the promised land, he must have been around. If he and Caleb were contemporaries, he must have been in his 80s. Okay? All about 20, God had said, would die. Okay? Would have died. So all above, below 20, 20 onwards down, who entered was 58. 38 years, okay? They wandered, plus 20 is 58. 58 and below. Two old people in their 80s, rest are 58 and below. So the soldiers who are going to fight are between 20 to 58. An army composed of ages between 20 to 58. Okay, now that's just physical age. In this case, you can be 80 years old and join the army. 90 years old, it doesn't matter. So this is new covenant basic training. Fight the good fight. So we are just looking at one weapon, only one. John chapter 8 and verse 32. John You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If truth shall make me free, then truth is a weapon. Okay. If somebody dies, Peter and goes and he looks around and he sees nearby there is a knife and he manages to grab it with his and cut his off. Then the knife is a weapon that set him free. Right? It's a weapon that set an instrument he used to free himself. The Bible makes it very clear. You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. It's a very, very, very powerful, probably one of the most, if not the most powerful weapon in the armory of a saint is truth. If you go, you will see why. 8.42 of John. It's 8.44 of John. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. He is a liar and the father of it. So lie is the weapon of the enemy. And through lie he causes deception. That's what happened in Genesis chapter 3. He comes and he lies. He mixes lie and truth. If you mix anything with truth, it becomes a lie. And that is his weapon. He used lie to deceive and when what is basically men fell away from truth. The minute you fall away, if truth makes me free, when I fall away from my truth, then I am in bondage. Okay? So truth is a weapon. Very, very powerful weapon in the spiritual realm. Very powerful weapon. Bible says the truth shall set you free. It does not say education will set you free. It does not say information will set you free. Both education and information can have elements of truth. 
but also remember it is mixed and contaminated with lies and falsehood. So don't confuse one with the other. Education is not truth. Information is not truth. Okay? If you are not saved, if do not if you do not know truth, then you are only an educated liar or a very informed liar. Okay. So uneducated man who is true, that is John and Peter, could stand there in the Sanhedrin who were all educated liars and murderers. Because a few weeks earlier they had sentenced truths to death. A truth refused to die. It rose again. Okay. So in the Garden of Eden, what happens is the devil comes and questions truth. And then he adds deception and takes them off the path of truth. Now let us go into how you do not confuse information for truth. All that we are hearing about COVID-19 is information. Truth only God knows. Nobody knows the truth of anything. The whole truth, but nothing but the truth. Even the court makes you swear. You also don't know. Only God knows. Okay? That is the same old classic example which I have given often many times. There is this plane or train or something. A father with two kids are traveling. The father is sitting by the window with glazed expression, totally lost, looking out. The kids are very restless and climbing over and restless and this thing. And he ignores, he's just looking out and they're becoming a nuisance. People are, passengers are getting disturbed and finally, man or a lady, whatever you want to put it over there, loses it. Everybody is thinking, what ill-mannered kids and what this thing and what kind of a father is, all kind of thoughts are going. Somebody stands up and then voices it suddenly. Burst out and said, sir, can't you control your children? That's when he realized the kids were out of control. So he quickly got, settled them down and apologized and said, I'm so sorry. Their mother just died a couple of days back. We are, the body is there at the back. We are going for the funeral. They have never been without their mother. So they are restless. Suddenly everything changed. Everybody was apologetic. The lady apologized. Things calmed down. You know what happened? All of them looked at and they had their own versions of information. But when a slice of truth came in, everything changed. Everything changed. Okay? So COVID-19 is there. It may damage or create a whole lot of damage in this world economically, physically. But the maximum damage it can do to an individual is death okay it's death so deal with the disease the truth is that sets you free is do not fear death death has already been taken care of if any man is Christ Jesus he's already crossed that point you cannot die even if you die you will live so our lives should fundamentally reflect this one truth that we are fearless in the face of disease or death. So truth is the most powerful weapon we use against the enemy. Most powerful weapon. It's one of the most 
powerful weapons God has given to man. So scripture says, if any man cleanses himself, he will become a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master's use. In John 17, 17, this is what Jesus says. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Okay? So it's not hearing of the word that changes everything. It's a receiving of the word. Hearing. Hearing is one thing. It brings faith. But faith has to be applied before it becomes a reality. Okay? Everybody heard. In the night, the angel, the destroyer, I will allow to pass over everybody's house. Should kill the Passover lamb which you have kept. Take the water in the basin. Take the hyssop. Put it on the lentils, the sides of your door post, and stay inside. Everybody said, wow, what a great truth. We love it. Excellent. And they all went to sleep. And everybody's firstborn died. Okay. The hearing of the truth should generate faith. And faith should translate into work. So everybody killed, took it and the father put it and everybody stayed inside. And that brought freedom. That brought liberty. Okay. So what kept Joseph as an overcomer through those 13 years, though he was a slave, then later became a prisoner in chains, was the word he received. And he obeyed it. Two dreams. You have been destined to reign. Stay upright. And don't lose your dream. Stay upright. Stay upright. If you believe you have been destined to reign, then reign. Then reign. If you believe you are destined to reign with Jesus Christ, then reign over life now, overcome sin. If you believe that you are destined to sit on the throne with Christ Jesus, then overcome the world now. If you believe that you will judge angels today, then overcome them now. Grace is given for that. Believe. If you believe, then walk in it. Walk in it. In your little plot. In your little plot, walk in it. Walk in it. Okay, so this is when the rubber meets the road. So all that we see now is temporary. All that Joseph is going through, he sees it as temporary, the cross. What is eternal is the crown. Stay focused, Joseph. Okay, so remember, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And none of us know the truth. Now, turn to Matthew 7, verses 1 and 2. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. This is also another principle of sowing and reaping. But what is God is saying? Why does he say be very careful about these things? Because you are in war. You are fighting a battle to overcome and to reign. Because the only criteria by which you can judge is truth. Okay? There is no other criteria by which you can judge. To judge anything, you need to know the truth. Because when you judge according to truth, 
what you bring forth is justice. And the result of justice is called righteousness. That is how it works. Without truth, you cannot have justice. So without truth, if I judge, what I bring forth is injustice and the result of it is unrighteousness. And I get keep getting disqualified for the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God, the scepter, is righteousness. It is justice and righteousness. So God says, don't judge. Don't judge. Uh, especially don't judge at all if you have no authority in those areas. And if you have given authority, then always judge with mercy. Because mercy will triumph over Because the reason is, why do you show mercy? Because you don't know the truth. You don't know the truth. You don't always give an element of doubt. That's why you have these great sayings from let a thousand guilty escape rather than one innocent be punished. The value of truth and justice and righteousness. Okay? Otherwise we'll produce unrighteousness. None of us know the whole truth. Only God does. Not only that, He is the truth. So further when we later look at Joseph's dealings with his brothers, everything that he does is to bring them to the truth so that they can be free. He already knows the truth about them. He knows everything about it. But if he deals with what he knows, they will be locked up. They will never be free. So he has to bring them to the truth, where they see the truth, they acknowledge the truth, and then he will show kindness, mercy, favor, and restore them. So everything God is doing is to bring us to the truth, that we know where we are. Okay? And please do not think that truth is easy. Truth is not given to appreciate and applaud. It is given to live by. That is why the crowds left. Then the disciples left. Then finally, even the close leaven left Jesus because of truth. Not because of grace. Nobody left him because of grace. Everybody left him because of truth. Okay. So when he stands and says, I am the truth, it's absolutely definitive, unchanging. He didn't say, I'm, I, I, he did not say, I am teaching you the truth. Okay. He did not, unlike us, he didn't say, I am teaching you the truth. He did not say, I am practicing truth. He said, I am the truth. See, when we train or we practice, I practiced football when I was young, but I was not football. Peter practices music, but he is not music. We read the word, we practice the word, but we are not the word. Christ is, if you ask him, do you practice music? He'll say, no, I am music. I am music. Do you practice on your math? No, I am math. I am math. I am math. Okay. That is why when Moses asked God, who do should I say send me? He said, I am that I am. You can say whatever you want. I am that I am. That's what I am. 
But in this battle, please remember there are three stages. First stage is Egypt. Second stage is wilderness. Third stage is promised land. Where you battle. Lot of people are not even in the wilderness. Because they never left Egypt. They are still living in Egypt. And they like life under the Pharaoh. Okay. There because there was an absolute physical movement. We can say, yeah, these people left. But today how do you know? Like I said, today is a festival in Kerala called Vishu. It's the beginning of the month, year, whatever. Okay. And I had my old club college mates who are Christians, Syrian Christians within tax, sent me greetings with Krishna and Christ in it. Happy Easter and happy Vishu together. So where are they living? They are not in the wilderness. Of course not. They are in Egypt. They don't even know the truth. Yet every one of them are regular churchgoers. They will hold the palm leaf also on Palm Sunday. Regular. They don't even know what they are talking about. They are in the wilderness. Not they are in the in Egypt. Okay. They have not even left Egypt. So a lot of Christians are there. Huge number are there. Who are in Egypt. That's why Paul will make everything into the spiritual reality. A Jew is not a Jew who is Jew outwardly. Circumcised outwardly. No, he says absolutely no. He is the one who is circumcised inwardly by the spirit. Okay. If the inward spiritual reality hasn't taken place, you're still an Egyptian with a Jewish name. That's all. Okay. Because this is a battle of truth. Freedom comes from the truth. So even to be able to comprehend truth, that is a three-dimensional truth in which we live in, one, two, three, I have to be born of the truth. It is not that I need to deal with the truth, learn the truth, practice the truth, all that is not enough. Experiment with the truth. That's our great leader, great man, honestly great man, Mahatma Gandhi. His book is my experiments with it. We don't experiment with truth. It doesn't change anything. James chapter 1 and verse 18 is not an experiment. James chapter 18, of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth. We are born again by the truth. Now truth is not something I practice. Truth is not something that I experiment with. Truth has come inside. I am born itself by truth. Suddenly truth is not outside. It is inside. The word is not just outside. It is inside. Sanctify them by the word. Your word is truth. So Peter will say you have been born again by the incorruptible, imperishable seed, the word of God. And James will say you have been born by the word of truth. Okay. So this is different. This is not an intellectual exercise. This is a real Spiritual encounter. Something has happened. So it is not like what happened to the sons of Sceva, which you see in Acts chapter 19 and verse 13. 19 and verse 13. 
Some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over. I mean, they did exorcism and sometimes work, sometimes then they realized, hey, this name of Jesus is working. Let's also use it. The name of Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, we exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preaches. Everything they said was true. But they are not true. And in verse 15, Ralem 2 replies, the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know. Paul I know. But I don't see what they have inside you. I don't see truth in you. I don't see it in you. Okay? I don't see what they have. I know Jesus is truth. I know Paul is born of the truth. But I don't see truth in you. And so we know what happened in that encounter. So please remember, truth is a powerful weapon in the fight against the powers of darkness. Only when it is inside. Only when you and I are born of truth, we can use. Otherwise, we can use truth as a sword against fighting flesh and blood. That's what happens in the world. You cannot use truth as a sword to fight powers of darkness. Nobody can. Not a single, doesn't matter how high and exalted he may be in. Maybe the chief justice of the Supreme Court also cannot fight any powers of darkness with truth. Though he is sworn in to uphold truth. His truth has no power over there if he's not born by the truth. So all he can do is use as a truth as a weapon to bring justice over here with flesh and blood according to the way he understands truth. But it has no power over any demon in the demonic realm. And our fight is not against flesh and blood. The fight is against powers of darkness. And for that, God says, you need to be born of truth. Please note this again, only when it is inside. Another one, Acts chapter 16, verses 16 to 17. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination, divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us, cried out saying, these are, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Now, there is where we live, realm one, realm two, realm three. If you are not under the blood of Jesus, repented, confess, not under the blood of Jesus, realm two knows everything. They see everything. Nothing is hidden. You cannot cover anything in realm one from realm two, unless God does it. It's not possible. They see everything. Okay? That is the spirit of divination. So when somebody has a spirit of divination, Okay, meaning that spirit, they are using it and operating in it. When somebody comes and says, show me your future, they have a word for you because they know exactly. How did you know it's simply this spirit of divination which is in you with the evil spirit that is with you? They communicated and transferred what was happening. As simple as that. There's nothing hidden over there. They will tell you everything. All this guy used to know is to open himself to or this girl to open himself. Remember, she had a master. She had a master. So master is a fellow who has huge witchcraft and knows how to control demons. So he put this demon in. This It's like people using monkeys for tricks. Okay? Put this spirit into her and he uses her. So he acts like a very powerful man, which is true. He is connected to realm 2. He has learned some tricks 
some magical craft how to handle these demons. They are in cahoots. And this girl, people will come to her and she will tell everything about them. Why? Because everybody who is not under the blood of Jesus is under the operation of demonic spirits. From the time you are born, you have been designated. This fellow is with you and following you or in you. And the fellow knows everything about you. This is the spirit of divination. And they will tell and they will go saying, oh, wow, wow. Everybody, they start recommending also, you need to go to that person, okay? He will tell you everything. Okay? Tell you everything. Now, this happens in the kingdom of God also. This is called the spirit of discernment, the spirit of word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and all that God also gives. But when God gives you, please remember, he is giving it to you as the spirit leads, and he will give it to you so that you bring liberty to that other person. Okay, so Jesus took one look at the woman and said, you had five husbands. You are living with the sixth one. He could discern everything. Okay, so this is, this is part of the sevenfold Holy Spirit gifting he receives and people also receive. So please understand, both realms operate. Three operates, two operates. What happens is the blood binds them. That's why when you are under the blood, they cannot see. It's gone. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. They cannot operate. Okay. Second, when you pray in the spirit, they cannot decipher it. It is code. That's why Paul will say, pray with understanding. I pray in the spirit more than any one of you because that's code. They cannot decipher it. God has given the new covenant people weapons to fight second realm. Okay? But we are not getting into it. Verse 18. And she did this for many days. But Paul greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Why was he annoyed? Because it's a lying spirit telling the truth. Okay, it's a lying spirit. It's telling the truth, but it's a lying spirit. It's a deceiving spirit. It's a spirit of divination telling the truth. Okay, telling the truth. There was no truth inside the woman. What was inside her was a lying spirit. So he did this and we understand how it works. So we will leave all that, but remember, we are dealing with truth as a weapon. So remember, truth is a very, very powerful weapon because the enemy's most powerful or one of his most powerful weapon is lies, which causes deception, which causes bondage. Truth brings liberty. That is why the word of God cautions in James chapter 1 and verse 19. So my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Swift to hear. Slow to speak. When he's talking about slow to speak, he's not talking about talking about sports or books. He's talking about slow to speak about people. Swift to hear about other things, the truth. Not swift to hear about other people. Slow to speak. Because when you speak, you make judgments. Make judgments. And your judgments may not be based on truth. Because every word we speak about anybody becomes a judgment. 
not saying now discuss politics and all that. We are not talking about any of those things. This is a different context altogether in personal, interpersonal relationships. God says, quick to listen, keep quiet, because you don't know the truth yet, full truth yet. Don't jump and make a judgment. Because unless judgment is based on truth, it does not become righteous judgment. That's why verse 20. Look at verse 20. Because the wrath of man doesn't produce what? The righteousness of God. That's what he says. Quick to listen, slow to speak. You quick to listen. Nonsense which you shouldn't be listening. Wrath comes in. And in the wrath you say something and which becomes a judgment. It does not produce what? Righteousness of God. So he says be very careful. What you listen to and how you listen to. Because at the end of everything, a child of God, when he opens his mouth and speaks, he is pronouncing a judgment. And that judgment should produce righteousness. So you will see, Joseph hardly speaks. He's, let us say, three years in, uh, three years in Potiphar's house. What does he say? When he opens his mouth, his judgment is true. Madam, we shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing this. Everything my master has committed into my hand except and I shouldn't be sinning. It's actually making an absolute correct judgment. Then he sees two people sad and says, why are you sad? And they give a this thing. And he makes a judgment. That's the only two judgments he makes. But when he speaks, his judgments are true. And it brings forth righteousness. Though the people... Did not like his judgment in the first case and threw him into prison. But his judgment was true. He did not power truth. Okay? He did not power truth. So always ask Holy Spirit for discernment. Always ask. Don't jump. I'll tell you a case, a real case. The pastor, Pentecostal church, usually very vibrant worship and all. But this time there was this new lady in the front who was like worshipping like crazy. Even the pastor was a little rattled because in a vibrant worshipping church he had never seen somebody worship like this and he also was a little rattled and was thinking should I go and tap her on the shoulder and tell her, look sister, you're distracting everybody, you know, just chill a bit when one of the other ladies came and told him, pastor, do you know? He said, what? She just got saved yesterday. For 37 years she was on the street as a prostitute. Today Jesus set her free. She's so excited. Immediately everything changed. Thank God he didn't open his mouth. Otherwise he would have made a wrong judgment about her worship. She was one person who was really worshipping God. Celebrating her freedom after 30 days. Seven years on the road as a prostitute. Celebrate! And God says, be slow. Be slow. If you wait a little, I'll give you the answer. Don't jump. Don't jump. Hmm? Because we have to understand truth more than, as more than information or moral precepts. It's not enough. Buddha's jewels are moral precepts. It is true. All of these religions have moral precepts. If you look in the core of it, it is true. But truth is more than that. 
truth is a person. Unless we know truth as the person of God, John 14, 6, unless we know truth as the person of God, truth cannot become a weapon. In our hands, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay? I am talking about truth in anybody's hands can become a very powerful weapon. Because of the nature of truth. Because truth is God. Okay? God is truth. So there is an element of God in truth. Truth is not God, but God is truth. Okay? So somebody gets a principle that is absolutely one with God, and then he uses it, it can bring change. It can bring change. Because truth always breaks bondage. It brings liberty. But we are not even talking about that in our, that you can bring here. You cannot bring there. There, you need to know truth as the person. Jesus said, I am the way. He said, I am the truth. Then he turns around and says, I am the life. I am the life. Okay. So we have to understand when we read the Bible, we have to understand God as a person and truth as a person. It's not enough to know truth as an idea or ideology. Truth has to be a person, meaning if truth is a person, then when I am growing in truth, that person is growing in me. I'm not growing in knowledge. I'm not growing in knowledge. I'm growing in the person of truth. Christ is growing in me. That's what gives power. So even when you look at truth, please remember when you understand God's universe, God has Different kinds of laws in his universe he has created. Some of the, some of the laws are connected to who he is, the person, the creator, the person. Some of his laws, which I call has moral laws. Some of his laws are connected to what he has created, which is laws of creation. Sometimes people think they both are the same. They are not the same. They are not the same. One are one set of laws are connected with who he is. He is. God is holy. That will never change. Never change. God is perfect. Never change. God is light. Never change. God is love. That will never change. This is all connected with who he is. Okay? But there are a lot of rules connected with creation. So the new creation will be different from the old creation. Because a lot of laws will change. Laws will change. Like we know it very clearly. We like scientific based community. Now we know it when people go out to outer space. None of those laws work there. You know? Some of the videos were funny, you know. If you try to if you try to to poop the way you do on earth, it will go up there. <laughs> okay. None of these laws which are so comfortable and used to it and think it is natural and stayed in time, like, no, doesn't work there. Okay. So please understand that is. Why this is important? Because he may overrule one, but he will not overrule the other. Whatever are the rules that are connected with who he is, never changes. But he can overrule something which is part of his creation. So he comes into Kana. 
What's a problem here? We have no wine. Okay, just fill water. It's not a big thing. What is wine anyway? 86% water, 10% ethanol, and 2%. It's not a problem. Done. Take it. He just changed the chemical composition. That's all. It's not a big thing for him. He doesn't need a lab. He doesn't need anything. It's not a big thing. Okay? Why is this so important is, very seriously, listen, okay, why is this so important is, there is his person and there are his creative laws in which he has put creation. Because he changes all these things for me and I experience miracle after miracle in this realm, but I am not adhering to who he is, I should be very careful. This does not justify this. Be very, very careful. This is the danger of miracle ministry. The danger of it. Just because he did this for me and 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 I am not walking in who he is, that does not mean I am an overcomer. I am a loser. I am a loser. I am a loser. So here is Joseph going as a slave, working as a slave. He's, everybody is prospering. He's also, but the fact of the matter never changes. He's a slave. And then he goes in and he is in chains. And if you go back to Canaan, his brothers are doing cool. Prospering. Everybody has got families, cattle and flocks and everything. If you look at that and you look at this, you would think this is a loser and those are winners. The truth is absolutely the opposite. He is adhering to who God is. Who God is. And he's a winner. And nobody would call him a winner. They are adhering to the laws of creation and mm, the cattle is multiplying, the land is yielding and everything. They look at all these outward things and they think, we are winners, but they are losers. Because none of their lives come anywhere close to what God is. They are losers, he's a winner. But the world sees it differently. He's a loser and they are winners. So what will happen is a famine will level them. The famine will show who is a winner, who is a loser. COVID-19 will show who is a winner, who is a loser when it is over and how people come out. It will show. How do you come out spiritually? So these are all tests. These are all tests. Because everybody is looking at death. How do you look at death? How do losers look at death? How do winners look at death? Okay. Economies are going to crash. How do winners look at Spiritual winners look at the economy. And how do spiritual losers look at economy? How do spiritual losers look in economy? And Isaac says, everybody went to Egypt. Isaac stayed. He stayed. He heard. He obeyed. So things are happening over there. Okay? So please understand this. These fundamental principles we don't understand, we will goof up. Because... I know people get excited, people are enjoying the messages, thank God for all the messages, but it has to go beyond that. It has to become life. Living a life of truth, apart from the person of truth, can be a very miserable, lonely existence. Do you know that? Do you know how many intellectuals, really great intellectuals, philosophers have committed suicide? Because they understood truth, but they did not have the person of truth. They cannot handle truth. They know this is truth, but they don't know Christ. So the only way out was that life has no meaning. Go. Kill themselves. 
Okay. Living a life. That's why the other half who does not understand the person of truth go over to the other side, fall into sin. At least enjoy life, have a blast and die. One side commits suicide, one side goes the other side and in the middle of it is this narrow way. Narrow way. Okay. Or they battle depression. Battle depression like nobody's. Okay, because of all these things which the world is talking about built on lies. The entire world system is built on lies. No? Youth and beauty and talent and money and possessions. And why are all the rich people so depressed? Why are all these people committing suicide? If this is true, they shouldn't be committing suicide. All the poor people should be committing suicide. On the other hand of the newspaper, all the time we hear is rich people committing suicide. It's because this whole entire world is built on lies. So please remember, don't detach the person of truth from truth. You will, you will live miserably and die miserably in your pursuit because you are hearing truth. Don't accept it as an idea. Accept it as life. It should become life in us. That's what Jesus said. I am the way, the truth, and the truth should become life. That is what you sets you free. That is what, that life is what sets you free, not the idea. The idea doesn't set you free. The idea makes you miserable until it becomes life. Right? All of us know. No, Pastor Vijay won't eat biryani at night because he says it's high protein and I will not be able to sleep. What happens? Has the food gone in? Ah! But until the food is digested, you're miserable. Doesn't matter how good the food is. Excellent food. Tasty. I ate two platefuls and after that you're miserable. Why? It didn't digest. It didn't digest. Digest. What happens to undigested food? It starts to come out. Yeah, does it come out? So what happens to undigested truth? What happens to undigested truth? It has to come out. You cannot live with it. You cannot live with it. You cannot live with it. Okay, you cannot live with it. So the problem is God is truth, and God created man in His image. So the problem is, even after man fell, he cannot live without truth. So he creates his own truth. But the problem is, his own truth does not have the power to save you. You are miserable. So let me ask you this question. You are gay. Okay, you are gay. You are homosexual. So why don't you just become an homosexual and just live your life like that? Why do you, why do you need a, a department of homo, with homosexual theories? Why do you need departments which will teach you homosexual theory and lesbian theories? Because you need truth to sustain your lifestyle. I am, I am, I don't know, I sometimes I feel I'm masculine, sometimes I feel masculine. Okay, live like that. No, I, we need to have gender, transgender theories. Because you know what? You're not an animal. You're not an animal. Penguins may have homosexual tendencies, but that does not mean they need theories. Because they did, God did not breathe into them. He breathed into us. You need theories for everything. That is what the governments in the world hate, Department of Humanities, and don't want to fund them. Because they create all these theories, which justifies sin. Justifies sin. 
understand why God made us. We cannot live without truth. And if we do not live by God's truth, we will create our own truth. But God calls it all lies. It takes you further and further and further into bondage. I will always say, all these things came from the West. It didn't come from the East. See, East, there was all this lifestyle from the beginning. Nobody made any theories about it. Have you noticed? Kama Sutra was discovered in India. It was not, it didn't come from US. But was there any theory about it? They didn't bring, bring any one of these theories. You know why theories have all come from the West? Because the highest point of truth is Christ. He is truth. And Christianity is the very living truth. Once you fall from Christianity, all you have is darkness. You have nothing to fall back to. These people have religion to fall back to. We have nothing. We fall into a vacuum. There's nothing beyond that. There's no religion beyond that. So all the theories have to come from there. When every theory that comes is not a denial of Islam or Buddhism or Hinduism, it's a denial of Christ. It's a denial of Christ. It comes from there. It's a denial of Christ. Denial of Christ. So, if you come and say polygamy, no polygamy, they will say, yeah, in Islam, Nabi Muhammad had many wives, it's okay. Oh, in Hinduism, these gods all had many wives. Um, Buddha was very silent about it. But Christ has only one bride. He doesn't have two churches, he has only one bride. That's the problem. So, polygamy stares at Christ. Stares at Christ. This is the issue there. The issue is with Christ. And Christ says, I am the truth. He's not saying, I will show you the truth. He says, I am the truth. Okay. So please remember, until and unless we constantly encounter the person of the truth, truth is a person. It's not just an idea. Ideas are there. An idea and the person became one. And that one is Christ. So let's look, listen to what he says in John chapter 14, verses 15 to 18. If you love me, keep my commandments. Okay? I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that may abide with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. Whom the world cannot receive. They cannot receive. Because their father is different, your father is different. Their father is the father of lies, your father is the father of truth. They cannot receive. Because it neither sees him, nor knows him. They cannot see truth. He put right there, stand there before you, truth. What is truth? And he goes and washes his hands and goes away. Where is Pilate? They cannot see truth. Nor know him. They cannot know him. They cannot. It doesn't say they cannot know truth. They say cannot know him. The spirit of truth. But you know him. For he dwells with you and he will be in you. Okay? I will not leave you orphans. Remember yesterday we talked about orphans. I will come to you. Who is an orphan? An orphan is everyone who is not fathered by truth. If you are not fathered by truth, you are an orphan. But if you have been fathered by truth, you and I were born by truth, then you are not an orphan because truth is in you and truth is with you. He's always with you. Always. So he says, any any Christian who lives like that is denying the greatest truth that he is the only person with whose father is with him all the time. How can you say, God is with me and then act like an orphan? 
cannot act like an orphan. You are not an orphan. Your father is with you. No human being can say, I, my children cannot say my father is with me. My father is away from them. They can watch on video. When my second son said, Papa preaches too long. Tell him to preach for one hour. Sama told him, why don't you listen to the second half? No, by then I will lose my stream of thought. So I listened to two hours. But can I be with him? No. But is he with us? That's what he says. The person of truth. That is why Genesis 39, 2, 39, 21 and 41, 38 are all so important. 39, 2. Genesis 39, 2. Lord was with Joseph. It is not saying that he memorized the commandments of God. He lived by the commandments his father had taught him. No, the Lord was with Joseph. Lord was with Jesus. If you look at 21, he's thrown into prison. The Lord was with Joseph. Truth is with him. The person is with him. And you go to 41 and verse 38. I think it's 38. Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such one as this? A man in whom is the Spirit of God. For Samuel 16, 18. These are all important things. Okay, 16, 18. Benjamite, man of war, prudent in speech, a handsome person, and the Lord is with him. Lord is with him. Okay. Who is with them? The person of truth is with them. So in Joshua 1, as we go to Joshua 1, and verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass, the Lord spoke. Moses dies. Joshua will die. Caleb will die. Gideon will die. Lord keeps speaking. Lord will keep speaking. Truth never ceases. A person of truth will always speak. Doesn't matter how many teachers die in your life. Truth keeps speaking. And he will speak. He spoke. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, tells different ways in which God spoke. God at various times, in various ways, spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son. That is the finale. Spoken through his son. Now he speaks through his apostles and all. It is his own son's spirit who is speaking through them. Speaking through them. Okay, But this is the problem. The problem is the word has to speak. The word has to speak. The word cannot be taken as an intellectual idea. To be enjoyed and appreciated, the word has to speak. It has to speak this morning too. Meaning in that what you heard two hours, God has to speak. You have to hear. He speaks. He has to speak. That's the difference. When we all sat for Shakespeare, we enjoyed the class. But Shakespeare never spoke to us. <laughs> he never. We enjoyed. Yeah, 
पाते लेक्चरर्स प्रॉफ्स वेट सो गुड आई मीन यू डिट नो टाइम पैसिक आफ्टर दैट इवेंट यू फॉर गॉट शेक्सपियर यू फॉर गॉट द प्रोफेसर ऑल्सो यू नेवर स्पोक टू अस क्राइस्ट स्पीक्स ओके दिस एन ओल्ड वन विच आई गेव यू ट्रू स्टोरी वेरी फॉगी नाइट यूएसएस नेवी शिप डिस्ट्रॉयर वॉज गोइंग दिस सो अनदर लाइट so the captain sent a signal we are approaching directly at your light please change course 20 yards or whatever they use hmm? so got a signal back saying i see you approaching please you change course 20 degrees the captain was upset because as far as he knew from his thing there was no other bigger ship than his passing that by so he says this is the captain speaking please change your course 20 degrees so reply came this is a seaman second class speaking sir please change your course he got very mad so he said i am captain of uss destroyer this name speaking you change course 20 degrees so he said sir i am second class seaman speaking manning the lighthouse please change your course and he changed course Okay. Now, if you look at First Timothy chapter three, verse fifteen, three fifteen, the house of God, second part, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. This is a church, and every believer is a lighthouse. And when they see you, they should change course. They should change course. You don't change course. You don't change course. they will try everything possible to make you change course is that you elijah troubler of israel meaning you change course he says no you and your family you and your household i am not changing course you want rain you change course i have eaten well for 3 and 1/2 years i haven't struggled at all you change course okay i am elijah the lighthouse change 180 degrees i have change course and this is a deadly battle every day we are fighting and we are fighting with truth and for truth every day we battle with truth personal battle and we are battling also for truth so it involves two things every day hebrews 6:1 two things every day therefore leaving that is elementary principle let us go on to perfection not laying again the foundation what is that repentance from dead works and faith towards god every day two things repentance from lies and turning towards truth every day and every time the word comes it is showing it is showing it shows okay turning away and turning to and when we turn away the bible is very clear 1 john chapter 1 8 and 9 when you turn away this is the way you have to turn away when we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us if you have heard a two hour sermon and says there is no sin in us that means you did not hear because the minute you say there is no sin in me you have reached the stage of Christ Jesus On the other hand if we confess our sins he is faithful 
Why should we confess? Why should I confess? Because he says, don't you already know what is in my mind? He said, I know. But the problem is, as long as you don't confess, realm too has power over it. Your sin is darkness. Realm too is darkness. Whatever is dark, dark controls. Whenever you bring it to light, darkness loses its power. So open your mouth and confess. Confess it to me. Speak it out. And what will you do? He is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So sin brings unrighteousness. Turning to truth brings righteousness. Justice is uplifted in your life. The kingdom of God is steady. Okay. On the other hand, one John, not other hand, when you turn to God, one John, same chapter one, verses five to seven. I was going backwards actually. This is a message we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If you want to rewrite it, God is truth. In him there is no lie at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in lies, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Why? We are walking in the light. And why do we have fellowship with one another? Because we are quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow, even slower to anger. We are not judging anybody. We are judging ourselves and encouraging each other and moving on nicely with each other. And God says, you have fellowship with me, you have fellowship with one another, the flesh is dead, the cross is working. So these are the lessons we learned from the life of Joseph. 13 years. 13 years. You know what he had for those 13 years? If you look within the evidence available, he had rest. Though he fought more battles than anybody else, More battles than anybody else. He had peace. He had rest. You cannot have God with you and not have rest. My presence shall go with you and you shall have rest. Rest or peace is a result of war. You know why India became weak? You know why the Mughals came and the Muslims and all took over? You know why they won the battles and India became weak? Because of Ashoka. Ashoka brought this peace, which was a false peace, and did not maintain armies. Strong armies give you peace. Good walls make good neighbors. Why are all the nations maintaining armies? Though there is no war. The very army is a deterrent. And genuine peace. Why is there peace in Europe? Because of two wars. Peace was established. Okay, once. War produces genuine peace. Boundaries are settled. Peace agreement is signed. And there is peace. Okay, there is peace. Jesus said, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And after the sword has gone through and done its work, there is absolute peace. It's absolute peace inside. There is peace. Okay. So please understand, he's such at rest because he's winning his battles. That's that's the key. If you turn to Joshua, 
Joshua fought so many battles in Canaan. And they had rest. Except for one battle which they lost because they didn't seek God and because of something else. They had rest. That is what truth does. How do you know you have won the battle of truth? You have rest. But this is all experiential. Truth is not an idea. Truth is a life. So once you have won your battle with truth and the truth has internalized, you have peace. That area has come. It is, it is safe. You won that. You are careful, but you know you have won that. Okay, So you can see that in Canaan, Israel had rest from all their enemies. True freedom is seen in rest. If you look at Lazarus' house, if you look at all these people in Lazarus' house, everybody, there's only one who was possessed of seven demons. That was Mary. Actually, she was the one in absolute, total captivity. Yet, if you look at her now, she's the one in absolute rest, sitting at his feet, undistracted by everything that's happening in the house, absolutely focused on him. And this is the person you would never expect to be focused. You know why? Because of the grace of God in her life, all the battles have been won. Demons are out. She is free, sitting at his feet. You need to realize one of the primary evidences of truth becoming life is rest. That's why Jesus said the truth will set you free. Free from condemnation. Free from fear. Free from the bondage of the enemy. Free from the lies of the enemy. It sets you free. Okay? Please understand this, because these things are is uh, important, because we are dealing with truth for the past 23 days, and we'll be dealing with truth until the lockdown is over. What our preaching, what we preach, has to be the truth. Otherwise, it won't set anybody free, including the preacher. It has to be true. Second thing, you have to look, is you learn from the lesson of Joseph, his brothers, or from anybody in the Bible, or the whole camp of Israel. Are you discontent? In the desert, their life was marked by discontent. Murmuring and complaining. Okay. Yet if you actually look at their life, Deuteronomy chapter 8, 3 and 4 and 29 and 5. He led them, he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor your fathers know, that might, that he might make you know that man shall live by, not live by bread alone, but, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He gave them manna, he gave them water. On top of that, what happens? Their garments did not wear out, nor did your foot swell these forty years. You go to 29 and verse 5. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you. Your sandals have not worn out on you. The clothes did not wear wear out. The sandals did not wear out. There was nobody ill. There was nobody feeble. Because why? The manna they ate, the water they drank, is working outwardly, Touching their body, everybody is strong, nobody is sick. Going beyond the body and touching their clothes, the clothes are not wearing off. Touching their sandals, the sandals are not wearing off. That was the power of the manna. 
Okay. But Psalm 106 and verse 15, what does scripture say? He gave them what he, ah, he gave them the request but sent leanness, but the soul was drying off. You see, the truth was working outward, inward, their soul was dry. Truth did not become internalized. Truth did not become their life, their spiritual life. The truth only worked outwardly. It didn't work inwardly. So they were absolutely discontent people, murmuring, complaining, murmuring, complaining. But if you looked at them, Everybody looked well dressed. Not a tear, not a hole in their clothes. Look at this Jutta, all had good sandals. You looked at them, nobody was ill. You didn't need a doctor in the camp. They walked in desert without masks. <laughs> no disease, no vaccination, nothing. Everybody is healthy. Everybody is strong. Their clothes are cool. Everybody's clothes are good. The footwear is good. Truth is working outside. This is a symbol of the truth, the manna, the word of God. But it was not going inside. So their souls dried up. And as a result, they all died in the desert. So please remember, Maka, whether truth is working in you. Are you discontent with life? Because we have been locked down for... We are not discontent. We are locked down for 23 days. Because life has not changed for us. Not if, if, if in your inner man, you were always locked out from the world and locked in with Christ, then these outward changes wouldn't matter. But if in your inner man, you were always locked in with the world and locked out from God, then this is very, very tragic, what you call it, um, uncomfortable life for you, believers. On the other hand, even those who went to work, if in their hearts they were locked in with Christ Jesus, this is extremely pleasurable time for you because you have more time with God. You are not discontent. So people have to ask this question. Am I discontent? When truth has not been internalized. Truth has not been internalized. Is there complaining and murmuring in your life? Then truth has not. Truth has. This, you can have a holy discontent against the lies in your life. That's a different thing. Not a discontent with the life God is giving you. Okay, Truth has not been internalized. That's the result of it is a discontent. In Psalm 51 and verse 6, what does David say? What do you want? Where do you want truth? You want truth in the... Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Hidden part. That is what happened, didn't happen to the first generation. There was no truth in their inward part. But if you look at them, people would say, boy, they got truth. Look at them. Look at their clothes. How long have you been wearing it? 30 years? What? 30 years? Same clothes? Yes. But where did you small? Yeah. And what happened? Clothes grew with us. And what about your sandals? Yeah, it grew with us. And no hooks? No hooks. And you're not sick? Sick? No. Boy, I would like to be like you. God would say, don't be like them. You don't know their soul. 
you don't know their soul. And if God were to, you were to ask God, say, Lord, I want to be like those prosperity preachers, he would say, you don't want to be like them. You don't know their soul. You don't know their soul. They are dry inside. Truth hasn't touched them inside. Hasn't touched them inside. You don't want to be like them. So please notice truth outside and inside. Third thing. When they were in the desert, they fought many battles. You know that? They fought the Amalekites at Rephidim. They won. Og, the king of Sihon. No. All those kings, they defeated. They made, won many battles. They did not lose battles in the desert. Did they lose battles in the desert? No. But the problem is this. How do you judge battles? They won all the battles in the in the desert, but did not win one inch in the promised land. That's the key. It's not the battles you win. It's the territory you gain that matters. Did you gain any territory in the promised land? No. I've won all this battle. I received this healing. I received this miracle. I received this promotion. That's not. Has the life of Christ increased in you? That's the key. Has the life of Christ grown in you? Have you decreased? Has he increased? If he hasn't increased and you are still the same person inside, in spite of all these testimonies, you know what? Those are desert battles. Makes no difference in the promised land. Makes no difference. Because when you come to the border and you see the fortified cities and the people, you will still run. Do you have victory over self? That's life in the promised land. Do you have victory over Satan? Do you have victory over the world? Is Christ growing? Because Luke 2.52 has to be personalized. That is personal. That's not just history. For us it is not history, it is life. Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and with men. Is that happening? That's what is happening to Joseph. Christ is growing in him, in stature, in wisdom, favor with God, in favor with men who mattered. Potiphar, prison warden, Pharaoh. Christ is growing. It doesn't matter outwardly what is happening. The issue is this. The proof of the pudding is in the eating. If you have really won your battles, Christ is increasing. You are not increasing. If you are increasing, then you are winning desert battles. You are still the same. By the time you finished, your, you are as hard and harder than before. More rebellious than before. First you are willing to fight Moses, now you are willing to fight Moses and Aaron also. And after seeing all these things, still you say you have turned against God's leaders. God has to kill again still people. God has to do all these things before you won, including Aaron's rod, budding and blossoming, so that you will know there is a person behind all these things this man is saying. There is a person called God. Understand him. They didn't. Nothing changed their mind. You know why? It was truth had not become a person for them. So, their battles and their victories and their testimonies meant 
nothing. With all their battles, victories, they were still destined to die in the desert without possessing an inch of the promised land. And the promised land for us is the promised life of Jesus Christ. Reigning in righteousness through grace, you overcome sin, your flesh, you overcome the world, and you overcome the powers of darkness one day at a time. That they didn't. They had no testimony. It's not that I lived, but Christ lives in me. To the point Paul will say, I no longer live. Earlier he was just dying daily. Now he says, I no longer live. Okay. Fourth marker. Joshua chapter 1, verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Okay. Because the problem is this. With a lot of Christians, and a lot of us, all of us were caught in this rut. We can get so used to the desert life. Once you have lived in the desert for 38 years and you got your bread and your butter and your water and your clothes and your feet. After some time, this is a very easy life. Why do you have to go there and fight? That's why two tribes said we will stay on this side. What did these pastors coming and say, fight this good fight? We don't want to fight. We are very happy with our life. We don't want to change. We are very comfortable the way we are. The wilderness has become promised land. For another man, when he said, I will not leave the wilderness, it has got to do with presence. It just had nothing to do with the land. But the problem is here, the people are comfortable with the land without the presence. You know, this is what last time also we said, which is called apathy. It's the greatest killer. Arnold Toynbee, I think, great famous social scientist historian, <coughs> said, my memory is like I have to go back, this is not like scientific thing, no? So, if I remember, he said, of the 21 civilizations that was there from the beginning, 19 of them collapsed without a battle because of internal decay, including the Roman Empire. All the civilizations you know about. America will never be defeated by a foe from outside. America will collapse because of what is internal, decay inside. It will fall apart. As God has always said something. If anything stands forever, it will be true. And if it is not true, it will fall. And we will talk about what about the other two civilizations. They were dead from the beginning. The people are dead. And they don't realize they are dead. They're still following the same dead customs and practices. Nothing has changed. They're walking dead men. This is the danger. You don't care anymore for the promised land or the promised life. Okay. Another great man of God. I don't know who it is. This generation will die not because they fought. This generation will die because they do not care. Yeah, there are generations who died because they were involved in battle. There are generations who died because they didn't care. Okay. 
So, to Joshua, who has wandered in the desert for 40 years, and the leader is dead. Two reasons. One, you also got used to your life in the desert. Two, the man you always kept looking at, he is dead too. Arise. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Arise. If you don't arise, if apathy sets in, the man of faith can be become the beast of burden. Just carrying that load and walking around. And that is what a lot of Christians have become. They have become karmic in their philosophy. They are not fighting the battle. Oh, this is my fate. Who told you? Just say that you gave up the fight. Don't bring another theory into it that doesn't fit in with scripture. Don't even say, I sowed, I reaped. It still doesn't work. Change the seed. Change the seed. He stopped the harvest which you had to reap for your sins. He took it. Think differently. Sow in the spirit and see whether you will not change your harvest. Thing is that you are lazy now. You are lazy. And lazy people have never got anything in the kingdom of God. This is a battle. Arise. And pastors are so apathetic. No. It's not, it's not that there is nothing in the word of God. They simply don't want to study. Simply don't want to sit and do the work and go on their knees and cry out to God, show me. Because they have moved into apathy, so has their congregation. It is like Saul sitting there, 600 men. Outward picture is good. I, Saul is there, crown and 600 men. But if you look around, surrounded by Philistines, hemmed men. One man said, hey, look, I'm tired of this. I'm going to break loose. This is not life. If God, what God said is, no, it's true. Life is bigger than this. And we need to arise. If you don't arise at the call of truth, we will never fulfill our purpose. We will never fulfill our purpose. We have to arise. Genesis 13 and verse 17. Arise. The old man sees and the old man is shocked. The old man is shocked is because Lot, the carnal man, looks and he takes all the pasture off. And the watering holes. Everything that was good, that fellow took and walked away. And God is telling, don't revert to depression or anything. Okay, Don't move into another frame. I was waiting for this fellow to go. I was waiting for this fellow to go. Until you had something of flesh still with you which you brought from your father's house, I couldn't speak to you. You were not willing to listen. So I had to let the last remnant, first your father had to die, now the nephew had to go. Now I can tell you what your purpose is. Purpose is. Did you see he walking away? He's walked away, your flesh has walked away, right? It's gone. You allowed him to go, gone? Okay. Now you are free of flesh. Okay. Now we'll tell you what your purpose is. This is the purpose of your life, Abraham, from here till the day you die. Arise and walk the land. It's length and breadth. This is what you will do. This is your purpose. You have to walk this land. And he has no clue what he's doing. But 450 years later, Joshua will come and God will say, I will give you every place the sole of your foot treads. You know why? Because somebody else walked the land earlier. 
This is your power. But he is not going to know the purpose unless he arises. Arise. Get up. Get up. It's a spiritual term. Arise. You got so used to this life. Arise. And keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Keep moving. Walk the land. This is from where we get that old song, We Walk the Land. This is from Abraham, who is the first man to walk the land. So we'll also say by faith we'll walk the land. We don't want property. We want souls. And souls are in control of the powers of darkness. That's what he's telling him. You walk. You walk. You walk. You walk. As you're walking, you're taking possession of people. You're taking possession of this land for your people. For your descendants who will come. Claim it. Walk the land. Okay. In Genesis 21. Verse 18, a mother, God heard, you heard in the morning today about Bir Lahai Roy, right? What does he tell Hagar? Because he had already promised. He had promised Abraham. His promise will stand. He never goes back on his word. Arise, lift up the lad and hold him with your hand, for I will make him a great nation. He's a single parent. She's a single parent. And he's telling to all single mothers, arise. There, that single parent's son became one of the greatest nations in the world. All the Muslim nations, you look at them, except for Pakistan and Bangladesh, because they were part of us. Otherwise, they would also become great. No, honestly, it's the nature of the religion that they crippled them. That overflow of this religion into this is what crippled You go to any other Muslim nation, you would be shocked if you see them. I was shocked by Malaysia. Boy, I thought always, I looked at Malaysia and said, wow, it looks like Dubai. No difference. Absolutely big span. Absolute everything. Look at these nations and you look at any of the Muslim nations. Why? One promise arise. If Hagar hadn't risen, Islam wouldn't be like that. No, Muslim nations wouldn't be like that. And because he said, bless, he said, okay, I'll make him also a great nation. Don't worry. Promise. But the mother, a single mother had to arise. You look at Ben Carson or if I'm right or all these great people, they were all brought by single mothers who arose. Who arose. And their children became great because they had faith. And God is speaking, arise. You cannot sit down, enjoy the idea of truth. You cannot. This is not to be enjoyed. This is need to be, you have to rise and live it out. This is not an intellectual exercise which people do in universities. Everybody sits and discusses and everything and all takes notes, makes a PhD, puts it over and goes and nothing changes. God says this is not an intellectual discourse. You heard the truth. If the truth has heard you and you have heard the truth, get up. Do something about it. Get up. Arise. Arise. It's a, it's a step of faith. Arise. Otherwise you'll get used to it. Because you have used, already got used to another lifestyle. That's the thing about, uh, faith. Faith is not what you call static. It is not. It moves. Faith has got legs. It moves. The minute faith stops, its nature changes. It's no longer faith. That is why it is called the living word. And God did not say you shall sleep in faith. He said you shall live by faith. You shall live by faith. And living is an activity. In Genesis 31 and verse 13. Hmm? 
I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar, where you made the vow to me. Now arise. Because after some time, you also get tired, wearing it like Potiphar's wife coming every day, every day, every day. Finally, you say, okay, I am tired. I can't handle this anymore. Just let me give in to her. At least this headache will be over. So here you have two wives, two concubines, all these children, father-in-law. Okay, your property is also prospering. At the end of the day, you are looking, okay, it's fine. Okay, so what if it's a stupid bad boss? But I am good. My house is good. I got plenty, everything over. God says, you got, don't get used to this life. Don't you dare get used to life. Your destiny is not in Haran. Your destiny is in Canaan. Arise. Arise. You know who I am? You don't know me. You only know my blessings. You don't know me. The only thing I can point you back to you is back 20 years ago. I met you at Bethel. Do you remember? You remember? I came down and talked to you. I did not talk to you from the top of the ladder. I came down and talked to you. And you saw angels ascending and descending. Your purpose is bigger than what you think. Not to live here in these tents and have these 12 children and sit with your wives and concubines. Your destiny lies here. Arise. Arise and move. Arise and moves. And when he arises and moves, all the dangers he faces, God handles it for him. Handles it. Not only that, he gives him two companies of angels to guard him. That's why he calls it Mahanim. Two companies of angels. You know? But he says that's only going to happen if you arise. Truth has to cause you to arise. You cannot sit still. You cannot sit still. You have to cause each one in their own ways. Each one. It's not that everybody's rising up is the same. It's not the same. You know? Jacob was not asked to go around living everywhere. It was Abraham's job. You know? Each one is different. Abraham made the mistake when famine came, he went to Egypt. He made the mistake. Isaac was never allowed to make that mistake. Just never allowed to make. He was never allowed to cross the promised land's border. Stay there all your life. Even when his famine, it will be met there. Jacob, Jacob was asked to go to Egypt. This man went to Egypt. That was asked to go to Egypt. This man, because this man represented Christ, he will never cross the boundaries. Because where is your promised life? In the promised land. You cannot have a promised life outside the promised land. So you will stay here because you represent my church. Promised life is only in the promised boundaries. It's not outside. Your famine will be met here, not there. Will not be met there. So God deals differently with the three patriarchs. Differently with the three patriarchs. So each one has to hear very clearly which area in our life God is asking us to arise. You have heard the truth. Now arise. Arise. Okay. That is why Jesus comes to that man at the pool of Bethsheba and tells him, you want to get well? He makes all these excuses. Arise. Arise. Pick up your mat. And immediately scripture says his feet and he arose. Rolled his mat and walked. God says, enough of your excuses. Whatever you've been sitting on all these years, arise. So when truth comes and knocks at the door of our heart, deal with it. Otherwise we will never possess. You will never possess. Go back to Joshua chapter 1, 2 and 3. Mm. <coughs> arise, Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, arise, go to this over this Jordan, 
you and all the people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. What I told Moses, what the law promised and what grace truth promises is the same. It's not different. In the truth, law it was told, God is my life. Truth also says, I am your life. Only well, thing the law doesn't give you any power for God to become your life. But grace gives you the power where God becomes your life. Okay? So what is he saying? Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Every bit of life that Christ Jesus promised is yours. I have come to give you life. And life in abundance. The very life he lived on earth in his body, he says, is yours. You will win as he won. You'll never have to fear. You'll never have to worry about anything that is happening. You will overcome your flesh. You will overcome this world. You will overcome the powers of darkness. Everything that he promised is yours, if you believe. We are not talking about material blessings, okay? Okay. We are not talking about that. Jesus had nothing, but he lacked nothing. That's what he's talking about. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. What is he saying? It will be your feet, but it will be my hand. Your feet, my hand. Okay. It won't be my feet. It will be your feet. It won't be your hand. The power. It will be my hand. The power is mine. The feet is yours. So please remember, our battle is not against flesh and blood. We are fighting for flesh and blood against powers of darkness. And the truth is that we have been given the land, the soul of your feet, Whatever it treads. Whatever it treads. What stops people from being set free? Realm 2. Right? Realm 2. The only thing that stops Realm 1 being set free is Realm 2. And of course sin within them. I'm not saying everybody will never get saved. Even in Jesus' rules, everybody is not going to get saved. That is, sin has become nature for them. And they don't want to get out of it. It's devil will be released and he will still deceive them. But I am not saying that about that. Yet there are a lot of people who can be released. Right? You have to look at it, what he is meaning over here physically to see what does it mean to us here spiritually. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. Luke chapter 10 verse 19. Yep, that's where your foot treads spiritually. Behold, I give you the authority to trample Trample. That's where your foot. Trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by no means harm you. What? How does the serpent harm you? The fangs. How did the scorpion hang you? The sting. What is the sting of the law? Sin. Since I gave you power over sin. They can't harm you. They can't harm you. I give. 
If you take the, if this fellows with his baskets playing with the cobra and all, its fangs have been taken off. There's no poison there. That's why they're playing. Even if they bite, nothing will happen to you. We are afraid, but he knows the truth. That's why he's not afraid of it. You know, when we were small, like back in Kerala, you there used to be scorpions, big black ones. What we would do is that we would make a noose with this and catch him and hold him like this. Then we take to our sister, they'll go ah, like that. But we know we got him. You cut this, this thing and the, this thing, or what happens? The scorpion and the lobster looks the same. One you eat, the other you run from. Why? Because this fellow has no poison, the other fellow has poison. But they look the same, right? Only in China they eat both. And then they send the virus to our nations. <laughs> My Chinese brothers, I love you, okay? Are you getting the picture? Take the sting of the scorpion. What? Are you afraid? No. You're not afraid. That's what I'm talking about. And First Corinthians 15, 56 makes it very, very clear. Very, very clear. Puts it across in what actually it is. Right? 15, 56. The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. You know what he did? First he took the law away. And nailed it on the cross. Okay. There is no law. There is no sin. And the sting of death is sin. He says, do you know what happened? He says, on the cross, I took all the poison. On the cross, I took all the poison. Now you are no longer fighting death. Because death has been overcome. Now what you are going to do is, you are going to fight the devil. He said, not only did I do this to that fellow in Colossians 2.15, which literature and history students know very well what it means. Having disarmed principalities and powers, we do not fight against flesh and blood, but principal, he says, let me tell you the truth, my children, about principality. That's a big guy. And powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. You know what public spectacle is? Like, let us, Julius Caesar comes, or Titus comes, uh, and he wins over Israel, or Nebuchadnezzar, any one of them. They take all the, the king they will kill off, but all the prisoners, and they will be behind the chariots, like slaves in chains. And when he enters into Rome, or whichever capital city, all the crowds will to celebrate the victory. And all the kings are brought in like slaves behind them to show their victory over the prince. That is what happened in the, in the heavenly realm. He made a public spectacle of all of them. Took them in a train across heaven saying, this is what they are. The rebels who rebelled against my father. And God says, do you know the reality? They have, he said, do you know? He said, do you know this? Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them through the cross. So the cross is foolishness to the world, but not to us. So he says, you know, you understand the power of truth as a weapon. As truth as a weapon, you trample upon snakes and scorpions. They, they have no poison because the power of the poison is lie. What is the power of the devil? It's lies. You crush lies into nothing. And that was Joseph's lies for 13 years. They tried 
everything possible, but every lie was being crushed. Every lie was being crushed. Because the devil says all arguments and lies. That's what he comes and tells in the book of Job also. No, do you think? He's, God said, try it. Try it. It's not going to work with him. It's not going to work with him. One five, Joshua one five. Why? No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. He was saying, Joshua, there's only one thing you need to do. Only one thing you need to do. You need to see that you are with me. He's with him. Okay, we you know very clearly. Only one thing separates man from God. It is sin. The day they sinned, they lost their battle. I am with you, as I was with Moses. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. How do we reread in the new covenant as a battle as a young man? No power of darkness will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. All you have to do is stay with God. God will stay with you. You don't have to, Lord, will you stay with me? He said, I don't go back on my word. The problem is you. Will you stay with me? When you hear truth, immediately deal with it so that you stay. If you, he is light and we are in the light, we have fellowship with him and with one another. He stays. Stay with me every day. What will the Holy Spirit do? He will show you stuff. But I didn't know yesterday and I still walked with you. Yes, because you didn't know it yesterday. Today I am showing you that you can have a closer walk with me. I heard you many times singing a closer walk with me. But do you know what it means? Do you know what it means? Our minds are coming together. Reminds. He said, that's how Enoch walked with me. He said he was seventh from Adam. He was seventh from Adam. He walked for 365 years with me. What was I trying to tell you upon whom the end of ages has come? Do you know 6,000 years of human history is over? And this was the seventh from Adam it was taken. Do you know you are the ones who will be taken? And I'm asking you to walk with me 365 days a year and I can take you. But if not, I have to leave you. This is a generation upon whom the end of ages will come. The seventh from creation. Seventh day is almost here. And Adam, Enoch was the seventh from Adam. And why is 365 given? Because God knew when the end of ages come, a year will have 365 days. That's why he said, walk with me every day of your life. And I will take you. And every step you take, you will win our power. You won't win our flesh and blood. I will not allow you to win our flesh and blood. That is not my plan. My plan is that I want to use you to save flesh and blood. That is Joseph. At the end of the day, he's sitting there. And you know what? He will save flesh and blood. You will have to realize the difference of Joseph, how he is like God in his chair. Scripture will say that all the nations had famine and all the nations came to Pharaoh and Pharaoh sent them to Joseph. You opened the granaries and gave them food and sent them away. But when his brothers came in, his entire dealing was to redeem them, not to give them food alone. So how God deals with his children and how God deals with the Gentiles are completely different. He will feed them and say, you can go. But when his people come, he says, I will not just feed you. I will not just feed you. I will redeem you. And I will do everything possible in my life, in my hand possible to bring into your conscience everything that you have done against me and against your brother. And until it comes and it is out and cleansed, you will not be free. And you will, I will bless you, but you will not know me. 
He blesses them, but they do not know. Until everything is out, then Joseph reveals himself. But he puts a hard friend all the while, though he's very gentle inside. And God says, that's how I deal with my children. And if God is hard with you today, it's because he has certain things in your life to, he wants you to get rid of before Jesus can show himself to you. And he doesn't do it until Genesis 42 or something. Finally, he couldn't hold it anymore. And he reveals and says, I am Joseph. But all this year, they have experienced the blessing of hand, the protection of Joseph's hand over their lives. He gave them so much, but they did not know it was Joseph. But it's not about Egyptians or other nations. It's about his people. That's how God deals. And that's what he's trying to tell us about. You know what truth is? Every time you encounter and the truth becomes part of the person that is you, you know me better. 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 You're walking with me. And that's the whole exercise we are doing as we go day by day by day by day by day. How are we encountering God? How are we encountering God? Are we growing? And we do not fear. That's what he's saying. No man will be able to stand before you. All the days of your life. Why? As I was with Moses, so will I be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. How I was with Moses. One incident and they will pray. Exodus chapter 17. That is one of the worst days in Moses' life where he comes and tells God, these people are ready to stone me. Okay. Okay, we have time, two minutes, we will read. Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of sin, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped in the water for the people to drink. Therefore the people contended with Moses, said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? The people thirst there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it that you have brought us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Go on before the people. Now, we had that stick here somewhere, no? Yeah, give me that stick. It's a very useful stick. He said, you come. Peter also come, Peter. Okay, come, Peter. Okay, here. Gone before the people. Okay, this is Moses, okay. Gone before the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take, also take in your hand the rod with you, which you struck the river. You are Moses, okay. Okay, hold it, don't hit me, okay. Let <laughs> go. Okay, in verse 6. Behold, I will stand before you on the rock in Horeb. I will stand before you. Okay, he's not standing before him. He's standing before on the rock. And what will you do? You will strike the rock. But you are striking Christ. Christ is standing on the rock. Got it? Christ is standing on the rock. I will stand there before you there on the rock in Horeb. And I will strike the rock. Nobody saw Christ. Moses saw. Moses knew he was there. And that's how our salvation came. And water will come out of it. And people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. Nobody had a clue what was happening. Except Moses. Moses knew that the rock was there. Moses knew God was there with the rock. And Moses knew he was striking the rock. And the rock was who got this revelation? 
Paul got it in Corinthians letter. He said the rock was Christ. Rock was Christ. Okay. Now what is God telling Joshua? As I was with Moses, I will be with you. You know, right? How I was with him. New covenant promise is greater than that. What is a new covenant promise? God was only with Moses. God was not in Moses. To us, I will be with you. I will be in you. So please understand about truth. Understand about truth. No man shall. No man shall. Yeah, let's go back. No one five, Joshua one five. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. No man. We don't say no man. We don't say no man. We say no power of darkness. Romans sixteen twenty. Okay. And the God of peace will crush. Forget principalities. This is go up higher. How high can he go in their rank at the top? Satan. And he says, this is my promise to any child of mine. The God of peace will crush Satan under your feet. Not my feet. Your feet. Why should I condemn you? Because my truth has become your truth. My life has become your life. And I will crush Satan under your feet. But who will crush it? Not the God of power. Yes. Not the God of might. It's the God of peace. You have absolute peace with God and peace with man. And that will crush Satan. How do you know you have absolute peace? Truth has done its complete work in you. You have peace. Told you, peace is the result of war. And every day of a battle is with truth. Battle is with truth. So don't worry about corona or death. Even if death comes by corona, laugh at the devil's face and said, you only got me a free ticket to go home. You can't kill me. I will die the way he died. Even when I die, I will die in my spirit because you don't have, you can't fool me. Truth sets you free. You can't fool me, devil. You don't have the keys. The keys is with my brother. You don't have the keys. All these years under the Old Testament, you scared people because you had the keys, right? You don't have the keys. The keys is with my brother. It is said, the keys of death and hate is in my hands. It's not with you. If key is with him, then why should we be afraid? This fellow is just a liar. That's why the truth sets you free. He's been defanged. He's been a public spectacle. The keys has been taken over. He has no life power over life and death. It's all with Jesus. So if it is with Jesus and he is with us and he is for us and he is in us, God says all you have to do is allow truth to be internalized. Let it become the person. So God says this evening to people, will you arise? You have heard the truth. You know which area in your life you have to rise. You know that that is an act of will. Act of will. 
wherever you are in your houses, whatever, you may have to arise and go to somebody to make peace or do something. I don't know what it is. Only God knows and you knows. You know, we all know the story of the prodigal son. But do you know when it happened? When he said, I will arise. That was the beginning of his salvation, getting back with God. He said, I will arise and go back to my father. And scripture says he arose. It's an act of will. And what does the devil do with people? Makes them hear everything and says, okay, all that is said is true, everything, but don't do it. If you arise, you know what? If you arise and go, they will misunderstand you. They will call you weak. Don't arise. It doesn't work like that. Do you know how many people have died in the pews? Though they heard so many times the Spirit of God when the altar call was given, stand up and come to the front. They sat there. They died in the pews. All it took was that, to get up and go, and God would have taken. Imagine the boy sitting there and understanding, oh yeah, my father is really good, house is good, plenty of food, servants are all good, and he never rose. He would have died in the pig pen. He knew the truth. But the truth would have never set him free. For him, the truth to set free, he had to understand the truth and arise and go to his father's house. But when he went to his father's house, he realized the truth was far greater and more beautiful than he had imagined. He only thought about the the generosity of his father to his servants and he was going back to be a servant. He did not understand his father's heart was bigger. That's why God says, I have been seen no years, heard what God is preparing. It's much, much bigger and greater than, we cannot fathom all of God's truth now. When he reached there, it was a completely different picture. Absolutely total picture. You know, Even Joseph in his wildest dreams never ever imagined that he was going to be the prince of Egypt. He had no clue. Absolutely no clue. Even when he is telling the dream, he is telling, he said, please tell the Pharaoh, he is still hoping to get free out of this place. Maybe go back to his father's house. Even he has no idea what is the outworking of that dream. And then he stands before and then the Pharaoh, he must have been like, thank God he was young and didn't have a heart attack. And the Pharaoh said, I don't see anybody else other than you. From today, you will be. Number two, no one above. Except to the throne me, everything else I give it into your hand. Think about it. Think about it. I mean, none of us have any clue what is going to happen on that day when we stand before God. Some people, their worst nightmares will come true. <laughs> Some people, they, even their best dreams will never match to anything that is going to happen over there. But he says, I have shown you the pathway. The pathway is this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And truth is our weapon. It is the greatest weapon that God has given us. The weapon of truth. Okay, It's not just your belt. It is your weapon. It is your weapon. It gives you stability when you stand. But also it's a weapon. The sword of the word of the, the sword of the spirit. Which is the word of God. Which is truth. It's your weapon. So shall we pray. Father of this evening we just come to you Lord. Wherever we are. Wherever your children are. I pray deep inside. They will rise. They will rise. The only thing that will keep them down is pride or fear or shame. You have not given us the spirit of fear. 
So I break that spirit of fear, intimidation in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. You have not given us shame because you took the shame upon yourself on the cross and covered us with your righteousness. So cancel out that shame in the name of Jesus. But pride, your word says, humble yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And I pray, Father, all your children, everyone who is hearing, if it is pride that is stopping them, will humble themselves. Humble themselves under the hand of God, under the truth they have heard. And it will arise and go. Arise and walk. Abraham arose and he fulfilled his destiny. Hagar arose, took that boy by hand. And today we have this incredible Muslim nations because one single mother arose. Jacob arose. Therefore we have Israel. Joshua arose. So the promised land forever became the land of Israel. The prodigal son arose. So he understood the love and the grace and the kindness and the mercy of his father. I pray everyone who is hearing will arise. Because truth will always cause us to rise. Lies keep us in bondage, in slavery. Truth sets us free and makes us sons of the living God. The word says, whom the son sets free is free indeed. So I speak freedom into the hearts of your people. Your children who are listening, that freedom that sons and daughters have, I speak that freedom, that liberty to walk with their father, to fulfill the call and the destiny of the father. I speak that liberty, Lord. People will receive and rise. And as sons here, your children, the authority that you have given us, the word that you have spoken, we exercise it now. I take authority in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I bind every power of darkness. We trample upon snakes and scorpions. Snakes and scorpions. You will not harm God's people. Wherever you are. You will have no power over God's people. Because my God has spoken and that is the truth. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. In every dark place, every habitation of the wicked ones, wherever they are gathered, whatever name they call it, whether it be called a lodge, whatever name they call it, where the wizards have gathered, the warlocks have gathered, and the witches have gathered to hold people in bondage. I break their power in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Every spell you do, every occult you do against God's people, every demon you release in God's people, by faith I send it right back to you. It will not touch God's people. 
Whether they came into the kingdom yesterday or they came 10 years, 15, 30 years back, it will not come near God's people. I speak the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus against you. The blood of Jesus is against you. The blood of Jesus is against you. You will not touch God's people. This destroyer too will pass over God's children and their houses. It will not touch Anybody in our houses, our children are safe, our brothers and sisters are safe, our spouses are safe, our people are safe because they are under the blood, the blood, the blood. Because of the truth, your word says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they did not love their lives even unto death. Yes, Lord, our lives are yours for you to use it as you see fit, but we will not fear the enemy. We will not fear the enemy. He's crushed under our feet. He has no poison. His poison was taken away at the cross. He was made a public spectacle. We'll proclaim it from the rooftops every time we gather. You were made a public spectacle in the heavenlies. You who contended with Gabriel and Michael for 21 days, you have no power now. You were made a public spectacle in the heavenlies. Satan. You who made nations tremble with your violence and your wickedness. You have no power over God's people. You are made a public spectacle in the heavenlies. Baphomet, you are nothing. We bind you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And we cast you out of our homes and our lives and our children. We are the children of God. We belong to Christ. Christ is in us. We are in Christ and we are safe and secure. Thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I speak victory and I speak rest into every person who is hearing. Let them walk in that blood-bought victory of Christ Jesus, Lord. Let them walk in that truth. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit Rest and abide with each one of us. Amen and amen and amen.